1: Hello and welcome to the Marketing Distilled Podcast. My name is Jonathan Gaby and I'm your master distiller here on the show. On this podcast, you'll hear from industry experts as well as myself to learn from more, learn more about marketing and uh, taking those complicated and hard to understand topics and distill them down into actionable strategies and tactics for your business, organization or brand. So whether you're new to marketing, social media, digital marketing, heck, anything online, or you've been doing this for quite some time, you're sure to hear something new, get a fresh perspective, or reinforce what you've learned. You might even get a new idea for your next marketing campaign, product, or service. And in today's episode of the Marketing Distilled podcast, we are joined by Tim Hines, And Tim Hines uh, bills himself as the marketing starter. He's a marketing evangelist, keynote speaker, podcast show host, and author specializing in developing omni-channel programs for disruptive brands and cutting-edge technology. With over 17 years of experience, Tim has developed strategic marketing initiatives with a multitude of industry-leading companies. Tim has a passion for entrepreneurship and has started three companies— BT Social, Curb Ninja, and Pitch Training Camp, and has consulted and coached many entrepreneurs to develop marketing plans and hone their pitching skills. He's also a proud member of the Global Business Travel Association, and we are fellow members of the American Marketing Association. I'm in Cincinnati, and I think Tim is in Texas, Austin area. Anyhow, uh, when Tim isn't working, Tim likes to enjoy three Bs. And they are biking, boarding, and barbecue. Man, some of my favorites there. He loves riding his motorcycle as much as he can to explore the world around him. And since a high schooler, he's been snowboarding and loves carving through the fresh powder snow. Since moving to the Austin, Texas area, he's had ample chance to enjoy as much barbecue as he possibly can. I'm so hungry right now partially because I haven't had lunch yet. But Tim, welcome to Marketing Distilled. Hey,
0: thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, I'm actually getting pretty hungry myself. Maybe we could just do this over some barbecue or something. You have to, well, we can push pause. You can come down. We'll record this in person over at Franklin or something here in Austin. What do you say?
1: Sounds good. I'll pack up my rig right now. <laughs> um, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, where is Austin, by the way? I, I got a good friend in, in Austin uh, area. She's a professional organizer. If you need your house organized, oh, uh, you might check out Lily Neal. She's a uh, uh, president, chief uh, organizing officer of Revise Your Space. Look okay. her up sometime.
0: Yeah, I'll check that out. That's kind of cool. Uh, any anything to help get the the closet organized i know my uh, my wife is very keen on that so uh, professional organization is big i've seen i've seen a tv show where there's there's these gals and they go and like organize like the kardashian's houses and stuff and they get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars just to pick up people's toys yeah sounds like a pretty good industry i think we maybe missed our calling
1: yeah it sounds like a good gig if you can get it that's take right this boy and put it somewhere else and you know buy a bin and charge <laughs> the cost of the bin plus fifteen percent for your consulting fee boom uh, Tim we are we are fellow members of the marketing podcast network and as as I'm kind of a new newer member to the network i've I've gotten to know lots of marketing professionals I mean we're surrounded by like Colin Jeffries and Eric Reed and Nick Westergaard and Uh, Jason Falls especially and one of the things that I learned about you uh, as as I've gotten into the network is that you've written your very own book Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the the meat of the episode today Uh, the the book is called the marketing starter so why don't you tell our listeners who the book is for first off yeah
0: yeah, well, so the the long title, right, is the marketing starter entrepreneurial spirit will make you a more savvy marketer. And really what it's for, who it's for, are for marketers who are getting their start in marketing, marketers who are looking to make a shift in marketing, maybe changing their role, marketers who are, have recently changed their role and, and maybe are with a new company. uh. Maybe it's going to be salespeople uh, who are looking to try to get more in tune with the marketing department really understand. Um, And also company founders and leadership, anyone who is really keen on understanding the marketing function and how savvy marketers should be going about getting organized, going back to that organizing point, getting organized and building structure within marketing. Uh, So it's all kind of built around this premise of my personal story, which is that I've had this great opportunity to work for a lot of startup companies and scale up companies that have had really either broken marketing or have had a need for some sort of marketing pioneer to come in and build out something new within the marketing department. And I've kind of made a career of that. So I thought it'd be really cool to share those stories and also give tips and pointers to other marketers or business professionals out there who are looking to maybe adopt the same and kind of shake up their careers a little bit.
1: Hmm. Okay, so you've had about seventeen years worth of experience, which is impressive. And I've looked at your your LinkedIn profile, and you've got uh, startup experience. You've got things you've you've done yourself. You've you're clearly an entrepreneur <laughs> uh, in in raising or starting two or three different companies and organizations. Um, my well, what I'm interested in right now is. Uh, I guess what is a marketing starter, mm-hmm. and uh, if anybody's not familiar with that term, flesh that out for us. And uh, at the tail end of your answer, kind of, kind of tell us how you got to, uh, you know, see this as a as a role, as a mindset in in marketers' careers.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good question. So a marketing starter to me, um, and I guess I kind of coined that term, so I guess it gets to be whatever I say it is. But to me, uh, it's one part marketer, one part entrepreneur, and one part scientist. And where those three circles come together in a beautiful Venn diagram, that centerpiece there is what a marketing starter is. So it's someone who, by definition, applies an entrepreneurial mindset to all that they do in marketing and really treats marketing as if it's their own business and sees it through kind of this prism or this lens of how a startup founder how that scrappy startup minded person would go about building a business from the ground up and so that's kind of what i see as a mentality that i've taken to heart across my career and have had opportunities and actually now seek out opportunities like that because those are the ones that excite me the most you know i personally don't want to come into a company that you know maybe had a a great vp of marketing that's been kicking ass and set a bunch of great benchmarks and and has figured out all the things but then decided to leave for whatever reason and go somewhere else and they just need someone to come in and exactly fill their shoes mm-hmm. um my feet are weird shaped <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't fill other people's shoes like i make the shoes or, I, you know, I, or I get started barefoot and then I build the shoes while I'm running. Like, so I look for opportunities that are like that. There's that old analogy of um, what do they say with uh, startup founders? You're, you're building the plane as you're as you're flying it. Right. So mm-hmm. I look for opportunities that are like that, but with the marketing specialty, because my background's in marketing and that's what I enjoy. But, you know, there could be sales starters out there. There could be entrepreneur or excuse me, there could be um, uh, engineering starters. Um, But in my book and my mantra, I focus on the marketing side of it. But that starter mentality is something that I think anyone in a professional uh, scenario can can take on and apply to what they do.
1: Yeah, it it certainly resonates with me because I I regard myself as entrepreneurial. And, you know, with with the marketing skills that I've learned over the years, uh, not as many as you. But you know, still a couple, three, maybe five. Uh, I check my LinkedIn profile to get the accurate count. Um, but everywhere I go, I I kind of see myself as building like my own agency, and sure. within the company, like the company is a company, right? And then you have an in-house agency that handles all the marketing stuff for you, Facebook ads, copy, all this other stuff. And being that I've pretty much always been the solo marketer in the, in the business, the things that you wrote about in the book really resonate with me about, you know, uh, asking for things and, and things like that. i gonna, gonna take a different tack here, uh, and, and ask you this question. Uh, you've gotten lots of principles that you teach in the book that you hope, hopefully will transform clients or transform marketers into different, uh, approaches and, and different, philosophies can you tell us a story or any other stories that you might have as to how the work that you've done to get people to become marketing starters uh has has taken them from you know what what they were to what they are now and and kind of the transformation process that that occurs as a result
0: yeah well i think that's something that is
1: i hope the question makes sense i don't know
0: yeah so i think what you know what you're asking is like you know there are there case studies of, of this uh, type of mentality being applied to, to people I know, or people who have worked for me. And um, I'd say it's, it's a continually ongoing thing. And hopefully it's something that people will really pick up from the book and other people who recognize what you recognized and in, in reading it as well, will kind of see that and go, aha, cool. Those are a lot of things that I'm doing. But ideally it would be, you know, for some of those people that are like, oh, I'm kind of stuck. And you know what can i do to kind of shake things up and really make a a splash really make a difference in my org and 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 what can i do to really achieve ownership in what i'm doing and that's kind of i think like the underlying message behind it but for people who have ever worked for worked for me uh, any direct reports that i've had in the past i think that they would they would echo and say that they, you know, are doing this and they have seen this and and that I've always tried to, you know, put them in a in a position to be a starter themselves and to really be champions or owners of the their piece of their little piece of the business no matter how small because that's something that I also preach is you could be uh, a, a creative director or you could just be a creative designer no matter what size of the pie you have, you can really be an owner of that and ultimately have a say and make sure that you have a voice. And so really, it's all about standing up, voicing your opinion, you know, being able to do the grind and, you know, put your head down and do the work, but also taking it to that next level of really pushing a little bit beyond your boundaries and kind of being that outsider where you're questioning things. And so if there's one thing that I can teach anyone who I've uh, had report to me is question it. You know, I don't have all the answers I'm making up as I go along, too. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. testing hypotheses. I'm trying to do this. But what we're trying to work as scientists, we need to question things. We need to have a method that we're doing when we're applying our learnings and our tactics to marketing. So I'm not going to get it right. So it's okay for you to question me. Don't be a yes man or yes woman question what's happening, question me. And so that I think that's something that I've always left behind with uh, either people I've mentored or uh, people have reported to me. And that's something I preach in when I give talks and speeches and stuff on this subject too. And obviously mm-hmm. it's in, in the book as well.
1: Yeah. So clearly, you know, taking that businessman, businesswoman, scientist and marketer and just kind of blending them together and seeing what they get and seeing some really tremendous things come up as, as a result of a real change in, in, in the, you know, in-house agency that you're building. Mm-hmm. So, well, on, on page 59, you know, I, I like to cite my pages cause I'm yeah. in, in grad school right now. And if I don't cite it, I, I don't get credit. Good for you. Um, I don't even know what's on that page. So you're going to, well, better than me. I'll, I'll, i <laughs> kind of set you up. Uh, I'll tee you up for the question. I'll have
0: to bring the PDF up here while we're Yeah.
1: You, 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 <laughs> You, um, on that page 59, you, you describe how you discuss your, your career trajectory with your leader at one point, Mm -hmm. like, here's, here's what I'm doing now. Here's where I want to go. Um, what became of that discussion or, you know, any discussion that you might have that's that's similar to that and to the new marketer or the person that is, you know, been marketing for a couple of years, like the people that. Hopefully, listen to this show. Uh, what became of that uh, discussion, and what advice do you have for other marketers who want to clearly share their career goals and where they want to go?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's important for everybody to have aspirations, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you do. And if you don't, then I think it's time for you to take a hard look at where you are and go. Wait, why am I? Why am I so comfortable? Why am I so fat and happy? Ideally, mm-hmm. someone with an entrepreneurial mindset is never going to be fat and happy right entrepreneurs are eating ramen and and pop tarts while they're building their business because they don't have any money right they're scrappy they're bootstrapping and entrepreneurs are recognize what is uncomfortable and get comfortable with being uncomfortable right you should always have a little bit of uncomfortability that makes you want to do better Mm -hmm. and so if you're comfortable then it's in what you're doing right now i think it's time for you to take take a close look at where you are in your career path and i think that's what i was doing in that example was going hey uh you know i'm really good at doing this thing but it's kind of becoming robotic to me you know what where what can i be doing next to get me to that next spot in my career and i think that's where it's our responsibility as as employees as mar- marketers who are reporting up to other people to sit down and and hold our management accountable and say listen like you want me to do my best work that's awesome and i want that too uh but i feel stagnant right now what can we do uh, to help kind of plot a career path for me within the company within the marketing org here ideally you know i'd love to stay here if i can um i want to be honest and, and show you that i have aspirations and and I think sometimes people are afraid to do that. They're like, oh, I don't want to have that kind of talk with my management because then, then I look like a flight risk or yeah. um, I might be pushing them too hard and then they might get upset and, you know, whatever. Um, I don't want to, like, draw attention to myself. But this is what I'm trying to say is, like, draw attention to yourself because if for some reason they start treating you differently as a, as a flight risk or, um, or as someone who's, you know, a little rogue and they're like, ah, I don't like that, then you're not supposed to be there. So ultimately, it's a good test for you to see if you're in the right place. And so it does twofold, it tests that and then also it holds them uh, like I said accountable to help you kind of plot where where you'd like to go ultimately, you know, within your career journey or your career path at least in your time with the company that you're at. And a mentor would also help you with that too, hopefully, you know, beyond and out outside of maybe the the company that you're at right now, but I mean again, for me as a manager, I would light up with joy if an employee came in and said hey, I'm feeling kind of stuck. I would love to do more. I would love to try this. This is where I want to go in my career. What can we do that's going to help me get there? I'll go, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, yeah, let's give you this project. Let's try this kind of thing. You want to be a forward thinking kind of manager. And so when you're positioning yourself as an employee to come up and ask those questions, don't be afraid to do that. That's going to help actually draw good and positive attention. But if it's perceived negatively, then you're in the wrong place.
1: Yeah. The, the first thing that that I came that that popped into my head is that if you are, if you're fat and happy and comfortable in your role, then, then you fit a certain culture. You, you might fit in, in a certain corporate structure that, Mm -hmm. you know, they just do the same thing and, you know, come in at nine and you leave at five and, you know, there's, there's just you know, comfort all around. Mm -hmm. Um, and for someone who's entrepreneurial, that would bug the hell out of them.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: You know, because I mean, like I've been in roles that I've been doing the same thing every single day, you know, part-time, full-time, whatever. And those kind of experience just like, like, Oh, I got to do this thing again. Mm -hmm. No, can I do something else? Is there something else I can do? Is there like, some training manual that I can write. Is there, you know, what, wh- what else is there? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think it's right that as, as you, as you were, were speaking, it, it really seems to be a test of the organization, not only for them, but as, uh, as a test for you to see if, if you're going to be here long-term 100%. and it could be, it could be, um, you know, if, if this company is is just wanting me to do one thing, and I want to do something else, and you know, my trajectory should be up and to the right, as as we all hope, um, this is a real real good way to determine if that's a, a good fit and if you're in alignment. That that's something that that uh, your book kind of highlighted for me is that you really need to be in alignment with what's whatever is going on in the organization. I mean, if you're if your CEO has this goal, then then that goal trickles down to everything, mm-hmm. not only just marketing and, and business operations and sales and things like that. Um, you you all need to be all in alignment and be doing your part into getting into that uh, to that goal, um, which is really interesting. Uh, can you talk about how like uh, marketing has? Marketing could have its fingers in all the different pies of business. Mm-hmm. You bring that up a little bit in your book with a, the with a diagram that, um, and, and for me, I think that marketing would be the, the hub of the spokes of the wheel, but I think that you present it in a different way. What, how, how would you present that, and how, how should marketing uh, starters and marketing agencies within companies relate with other departments?
0: Yeah, the cross departmental relationship I think is something that is super important for marketing, an integral part, and varies based on company size, culture, all right. of those things. But as a marketing starter, as someone who is gonna use this mentality, whether the company is cross functionally operational and marketing has its fingers in the pie, like you said, right? Like uh, and is it is part of those discussions. My advice in the book is, I don't care if it isn't, do it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Push the boundary, be a a dictator of the culture and shake stuff up because that's how you're going to get stuff done. Ultimately, marketing has been for the longest time kind of just seen as like a glorified server, right? Like, Oh, mm-hmm. let me take your order. Let me take your order. Let me take your order. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Um, and whether that's coming from sales, needing collateral, if that's coming from, uh, the CS team needing help with customer training videos, or it's coming from the the executive suite asking for help with the pitch deck or whatever. It's like marketing we need help with this marketing we need help with that. And that's fine. And you can do that and you should facilitate on those things. Right. But marketing needs to be forward thinking where it's going like, I think you need this. My recommendation is to do that. This is is the dish that is going to be best served and most delicious for you tonight. Here it is. Enjoy it. Um, And whether they're like, no, I'm not going to want that. And then after a while they go, oh, actually, that was really good. I'm glad that you decided to serve us that as opposed to just taking the order. So there Mm -hmm. needs to be a balance there and the only way to do that is to establish a really good working relationship with those other with those other departments and so throughout my book i kind of go in and i talk to like the example of coming into an organization for the you know for the first time like i just got this job i'm new you know what do i do in those first 60 90 days whatever
1: yeah your 30 60 90 day plan
0: right so you could do that you can in marketers out there, you don't have to be new at a job to do that. You could do one now, right? You could go, let's do a reset. I'm going to do a 30, 60, 90 going forward from this point.
1: Um, right. but whether you're and, new or, you know, or that, doing that, that could help that could help you because if you're resetting, then you, that yeah. you have a good benchmark of what has worked and not worked, and yeah. you know, how you're going to take an active role in the company to yep. improve things and you know, exactly to infinity and beyond. Sorry to interrupt,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nice catchphrase. Um, right, yeah. it is. It is saying I'm going to have that active role, and the active role part is part of that marketing starter mentality and going, "Hey, I'm going to be part of these conversations." Like sales keeps coming to me, and they keep saying, "You know, they need this, they need that." Like, trust me, I'm listening. I talk to the customers. Like, this is what they're saying, and marketing is like, "Okay, well, I believe you." Well, that's great. You can believe them, and you should. But what's stopping you from jumping on a sales call and just putting your mic and your camera off and listening and actually verifying what they said. What's preventing you from listening to a onboarding call with a customer service team? Nothing. Like just a little bit of time. Those are things that you should be doing no matter what role you have in marketing, because otherwise you're just hearing it through the phone tree. Maybe your manager saying, oh, yeah, this is what sales says that we should be doing. and, And that's fine. But again, questioning the status quo going, hey, cool. I love that. Do you mind if I jump on a call and hear that for myself? I would love to get that firsthand because firsthand knowledge is the best kind of knowledge. So you need to be able to do that. And establishing like this communication channel um, with these other teams internally is what's going to allow you to have your, you know, your hands on multiple multiple pies and be able to sample and be able to be active and ultimately be able to be forward thinking. Otherwise, it's just a one way of people asking you for stuff. You need to be able right. to deliver it to them.
1: And I mean, I, I guess in some businesses and in corporate structures, there's really nothing wrong with being, as you say, an order taker. Hey, sales needs a new flyer for this, or um, um, the, the web guys need a new copy for this, or, you know, they, they just need things to do their part. Yeah. But um, it, it almost makes better sense if you're, if you're taking the active role into really getting into more things and um, understanding more of what's going on in the company mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know being siloed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the... Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, I, I was going to say marketing has more of an opportunity to even to do that today than they did five, 10 years ago. The, the data... And the information that is afforded to marketing today allows us to really have so much more of a seat at the table, even at the executive level, than it ever did before. You know, mm-hmm. for the longest time, I think you know, marketing attribution was difficult. It was like, ah, most of that's going for brand. We don't really we're spending the money on these ads, but I don't know really know where it's going and like things like that. But today, right. we can like point back to a dollar spent. We can look at activity of how people are interacting with our website, our app, our tools. We can actually have active listening. There's so much available to marketers that allow us to corral good information and be able to build a narrative that works in marketing's favor for us to dictate the way the business should be going, not necessarily the other way around. So we have so much more of an opportunity today to have that seat at that planning and strategic table than we ever did before.
1: Right. Perfect case in point would be that, uh, say your social media manager is monitoring Facebook posts or Twitter replies or something like that, and they start to see a pattern of uh, their customer saying, "Uh, "What you did is good, but we're we'd really like to have this, have -hmm. another feature in a software, or have another item on the menu, or you know just whatever," Mm -hmm. and then the marketer has the opportunity to say, "Hey, operations." We have x amount of you know with whatever data that we can show to prove our point. Just say, hey, lots of people want this feature in in our software or the new menu item added to our menu. Uh, what can we do to make that happen? So not only exactly you know, just in that example, what you've done is is uh, transformed yourself from being just an order taker to someone who is actively driving. Uh, the business and, you know, kind of having a seat at the table where you're talking to operations, you're talking to, um, you know, engineers, product designers, product managers that, you know, the whole thing. And, and that's really where, where that, you know, interdepartmental non-siloed approach brings you.
0: Yep. 100%. And we almost have a duty now to act that way. Like if I met a marketer that's like no the silo thing works I'd really question right that resolve I'd be like well how because there's no way that you can't play in everybody else's sandbox in the world that we live in today this is impossible can you please explain yourself like I'd want right. to know so <laughs> because we have a duty <laughs> to do that now
1: Okay. Uh, so that, that was really good to talk about the interdepart, interdepartmental thing. Um, this is a, a big question within marketers and salespeople. There seems to be this you know, continental divide between marketing and sales in, in a lot of organizations. I don't see that there is one yet. Maybe I, I haven't been in the right organizations or, or structure to see. But uh, how can how can a start or a marketing starter build a really good relationship and kind of bring the two departments together closer so that they can work better together?
0: Yeah. Well, it's that's I think a a dual head responsibility, right? Marketing starter or the marketer in any role needs to extend that olive branch out, but you need to have a great sales leadership whether that's from a manager level to director to whatever that is also open to that and that also understands the value of marketing i think it's really easy for everyone to understand the value of sales i worked at a startup company and they were very sales forward organization like the sales team got everything they wanted they had the best equipment they had the best spot in the office with the corner windows they had a a a bell that they rang every time they made a sale. They got to go on the president's club to Mexico. And, you know, they got all, all the things, the commissions, the whole thing, everyone was sales, sales, sales. They were like the freaking superheroes of the organization. Right. Right. And then marketing's over here going tick, 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 tick. How can we support them? How can we support them? And I think that was one of my first fortes into, I need to advocate for marketing here a little bit. I need people to understand that what we're working on helps to drive sales team because they can't do what they do without us and sometimes marketing is kind of like looked at it looked at it as the uh as like the wizard of oz right behind the curtain like making yeah. things happen right and it doesn't get the recognition so sometimes when i tell people in marketing i'm like hey hopefully you hopefully you're not like a glory seeking person um because you might not necessarily get that right you have to share with the sales team and the ringing of that bell or the ringing of that gong, like pretend like you're also doing it because you helped mm-hmm. drive that forward. Um, but there are things that we can do to help advocate for you, which we can get into that kind of separately. But the way that, the way that we can get these two departments working together is to have that mutual respect. And it's a two way street, but marketing can get it started. And the way that you get it started is by getting plugged in as much as possible and being present. Going back to that example I said before about sitting in on sales calls, you know, hitting up a sales rep and saying, Hey, uh, you have a demo call coming up here this week? Yeah, I do. would you mind if I sit on that? I just, you know, I really just want to hear about Uh, how the the customer's talking. I want to hear the way that you pitch. You know, I really admire how your sales tenacity. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can to help support it the way that you do it. And they go, oh, cool, cool. It's, yeah, you want to get on it for me so you can learn, great. And that immediately starts building rapport. Coming in, you know, to the new organization or resetting your 30, 60, 90, what are some of those those things that have been on sales list of marketing things to do? What are those one-pagers, those deck edits, whatever? Can you knock some of those things out to make them happy? Cool. Start doing some of that stuff. Showing up to the sales meetings, whether that's the weekly one or biweekly or creating a marketing sales meeting where you guys get together and you collab, but you start showing sales team, hey, guys cool. Remember those, those, uh those deals that you crushed last week? Yeah. Well, those came from the ad campaign that we ran and we're looking at doing another one uh, this way and reaching out to this audience. And this is what we're doing here and really explaining to them, you know, in, in layman's terms uh, that most people in the organization can get, as opposed to getting really nitty gritty marketing and, and explain to them how these campaigns work and what it's doing, doing for them. And I think that's something that uh, marketers, when we, when we look at product marketing and our messaging, we get, we've gotten really good at, it, right, is, hey, what's in it for me, as in what's in it for the customer? What, what does the customer get out of this? Well, you have to look at sales and CES and the executive team, all as your internal customers. And if you look at it that way, like sales is our customer and I want my customer to want my service, but to understand the value in it, it all comes down to communication and building that presence and having that good rapport with them. Because ultimately, right, just like you, just like with a customer who loves your service, they're gonna go tell other people about it, they're gonna do referrals. You set up a customer relationship with your sales team, they're gonna love you, they're gonna tell other people how great marketing is, and it's gonna, it's gonna spread. So you can start by having that active presence, start by having that transparency, being friendly with it, and then really helping them understand what the value of marketing is. And whatever chance that you get to do that, like showing up in the sales meetings, creating as the sales marketing Slack channel, you know, there's a million different ways that you can probably right. do that, but just making sure that you're communicating well with them and showing that you're driving value.
1: It's very interesting. Like, I, I love how you said that uh, as a marketing starter, you, you really need to take this first step and build rapport with your, your sales team. and then. Um, you know, see what things there are to help them with. And then over time that rapport builds and then you have a better, uh, relationship with, with two very diverse and very probably disparate organizations. Mm -hmm. If, if if you weren't, uh, doing anything otherwise. Yeah. Um, one thing I really resonated with in the book is the the fact that you are, uh, you, you talk about experimentation, Mm -hmm. that this is, this is trial and error. Mm -hmm. Um, Given that what you say about trial and error—that that's probably what most marketers do—is trying something and learning from that experience. Hmm. Um, when when you say that marketing is about trial and error, especially in new positions and probably new companies, how can the marketer starter uh, communicate this critical part of marketing to CEOs and executives who might just want to get, you know, instantaneous results? Like, what do you mean this? What what do you mean? This uh, first TikTok video that we ever did uh, is not going to go viral. Why not? You know, <laughs> what, what about those kind of things?
0: Oh yeah, that's that's the fun part. Again, back to back to the communication, and honestly, that goes back to expectation setting, and coming in right away and saying like, "Listen, these are the some of the things we're going to try. We've seen them work well with competitors. We've seen them work well with in other industries." We don't know if it's going to work here, uh, but we're going to give it a shot. And here's what our expectation is. And just being very clear up front about that and then holding them accountable to agreeing to that expectation. So, like, we're going to try, in your example, this TikTok video. We don't expect it to go viral, but we do expect people to click on it and to possibly get this result from it. Right. Are we all on the same page? And the executives go, yes, cool. And you're like, great, sign literally sign on the dotted line. <laughs> like you, you agree to this plan. Cool. Then when they get there and they start questioning
1: what we're looking for.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then when they start questioning, going like, Hey, why didn't that go viral? I thought that was going to blow up. It's like, Hey, remember three weeks ago when we sat and I said, yeah. don't expect that. Oh yeah. I remember. So it all comes back to having a, you know, a good structure, a good plan that you're communicating to them. And it doesn't have to be a full like crazy big marketing plan, but just like it's going to do X, it's going to do Y, it's going to do Z and our expectation is this. And clearly managing those is how you can kind of tamper that, that down. But man, yeah, the executive team, especially if you're working with a flat organization or a startup or something like that, boy, do they want, they want results right away though, don't they? Every single time. And while some campaigns will, you know, you have to, again, communicate to them and help them understand the marketing process. That is just because you made a really cool ad doesn't mean people are going to click on it. Like don't expect conversions on a, for every click that you get. That's insane. Uh, and I've, I've worked for some people who thought that and it was definitely trying at times. So you, you got to try to, it's almost like breaking a horse, you know, it's like get the wild stallion. You have to break your CEO. You have to break mm-hmm. the executives and go, no, that's <laughs> not how it works. I'm going to break you of this. I'm going to tell you that marketing is a relationship and trust building exercise that takes time. Right. It's not going to happen in the first click, especially if you're in B2B SaaS, if you're like selling a, you know, a stick a bubble gum over a website, yeah, gum, cool. I'll buy a piece of gum, but if I'm gonna spend a hundred thousand dollars on some sort of SaaS platform, you think someone's just going to click buy from you right then? No, that's why free trials exist. Those right. wouldn't exist otherwise. And so it's knowing these things and communicating that stuff when you're meeting with them, that's going to, it's going to help you with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think too, that it, it helps make a case for the active uh what marketers do. Exactly. Like- you you want to you want to create this viral thing, but you know, uh, Mr. or Miss CEO, uh, what what we didn't do, and we we didn't understand, and I say we to kind of collectively put it all together to put the blame on him or her. Uh, we we don't have a good audience, so we don't have uh, we we've not developed this uh, this this channel this platform yet. Uh, so we need to develop this platform in order for us to. You know have the chance of of going viral you know yeah. learning things of developing relationships and things like that so uh it, it does it does give you some more things to work on not just like the task-oriented marketer who's just like uh create a viral TikTok video by yeah. september the third done okay what's next you know yeah. well it just doesn't work that way.
0: Wouldn't it be nice if it did, though? It would solve so many great marketing dilemmas. <laughs> I,
1: I tell you, uh, the, the thing that that burns my biscuit more than anything else is is the fact that, um, and you could you could argue this either either way that, um, you know, if if I set up a Facebook page, for instance, uh, and I have you know five hundred people on that Facebook page, then the business owner should say or should expect that we should get all 500 or some odd people who like that page, the, the latest update or whatever it should be in real time. It should be delivered to everyone. And I mean, I could see, you know, the case that Facebook makes is that just because they like you doesn't mean they want to hear you from you all Mm -hmm. the time. That's why we do it. Mm -hmm. Really why they do it is because they want you to spend money on an ad that gets their, their accounts better but um you know covid-19 has been a big thing right now with the coronavirus and everybody going to work from home and and that kind of thing uh and and that's created lots of workload uh adjustments and has has led to burnout especially in today's times mm-hmm. how can marketers uh, marketing starters excuse me avoid and, and manage and deal with burnout
0: yeah and that's actually something i talk about in my book i have I have a a section dedicated directly to that because it's something that entrepreneurs when starting something can feel. Um I think there's been real fatigue in the workplace, like you said, over the past few years because of COVID and other stuff. And um, and Zoom itself, Zoom burnout is a real thing too. We're just like sick of meeting people in over video, you know, it 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 gets taxing on us. But outside of that, when you're overworking yourself you, be, you it, it takes away your creativity, it takes away your ability to have critical thinking. So setting up a way for you to pace yourself is really important and in, in that section I talk about how you need to budget your time is really what it comes down to is that you have your marketing experimentation, your campaign building, your, all of your things happening in like an 80% bucket. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you need to, especially if you're in a fast moving industry or company or whatever, have like a 20 percent set aside for like the crises or the last minute urgency or the something that, oh, my gosh, like this just fell on my lap. Um, And you need to budget for that in your time, whether that's weekly or a few minutes a day or whatever. You have to figure out what works best for you. But you should budget some time in there. So those things then don't overload you because just like emotions, we all have a a cup, right? And it keeps getting full and full and fuller and eventually it'll overflow. And so you have to make sure that you're biting off what you can chew. And it really comes down to time management, personal prioritization around like mental health, taking a step, going outside, getting some sunshine. Like it's okay to step away from your computer. It's okay to say like, I'm not going to get that. Done today. It's okay to set boundaries and say, "And I'm not taking calls after 7 p.m. I'm going to go spend time with my family." Those things are all really important, and there's you know tons of, tons of self-help books and all kinds of things out there that I would encourage people to pick up and read, watch a TED talk, and you know talk to a therapist, whatever. Like people are going to tell you more about that than you get in my yeah. book, but it's just something I wanted to call out that uniquely, I think, startup-minded people or starter-minded people. Um, tend to fall into quite a bit and it, it's and it's something you have to definitely be aware of and watch out for and just make sure that you're budgeting in uh, the time for you to handle what's coming on your on your plate. It's okay to say no. That's one thing that I think is really important is when you're an order taker, you know you're a server and you're saying, what mm. would you like? Oh, you like that steak medium rare outside of potatoes. And a this and a that and a soup and a bowl of, you know, you're like, yes, 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 yes. And before you know it, you're like, shit, I can't fulfill this order. It's okay to say no. And I think right. we have to have the courage as marketers, no matter what level we are, we're at in a company, to say that, okay, great idea, uh, Mrs. CEO. I like that. But in our current sprint and what we've budgeted for right now, let me tell you the amount of time that I think that's going to take and the amount of manpower. So I can do that for you, sure, but mm-hmm. then this is going to have to fall off until next time. It, how urgent is this to you? Let's talk about the business impact and make sure that they understand like how you prioritize your marketing tasks and things, as opposed to just going yes. Or sometimes you have to straight up just say nope, can't do that, can't do that till next week. I'm so sorry. We're trying to finish this other thing that you asked of us, you know, two weeks ago that we're still that's still in the hopper. It's okay to say no.
1: Yeah, so that that brings up a a good point that uh, if you're a marketing starter, then you're probably prone to not be a marketing stopper, uh, one that doesn't cease doing Fair. anything. So so that's uh, uh that, that's a good thing to, to to keep in mind. And and you've you certainly bring uh, brought up some some things about setting boundaries and and clearly communicating you know what what needs to happen. Should Miss or Mrs. Uh, CEO want to do X uh, marketing campaign because she thinks that she has this idea uh, and, you know, just kind of fighting uh, or not fighting necessarily, but representing yourself well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and talk about what's broken with marketing today and how marketers can fix it episode of Marketing Distilled is brought to you by Agorapulse. As a marketer, you may very well be overwhelmed managing your social media from creating content consistently, responding to comments and your audience, and figuring out what is working and what isn't in your business. Meet Agorapulse. Agorapulse helps you stay organized and save time with Agorapulse's social media inbox, publishing, reporting, and monitoring tools. Plus, if you have a large team, Agorapulse has collaboration, moderation, and editing tools built right in. Join folks like Ogilvy, Shift, Confluent Health, and over 31,000 other social media managers by signing up today for your free 15-day trial. Visit jonathangaby.com agorapulse to get started. That's jonathangaby.com A-G-O-R-A-P-U-L-S-E. So, thanks for uh, coming back to the Marketing Distilled podcast. I'm Jonathan Gaby, your uh, master distiller, and I'm joined today by Tim Hines. Uh, with Tim Hines, and uh, he's written a book that I'll post in the, show not, uh, in, the, in the show notes later that you can pick up and buy from him. Uh, we're we'd like to talk now, uh, kind of kind of just riff on a, a couple things, uh, especially like. Uh, really, what's broken with marketing these days that you see, Tim, and how can marketers have uh, a seat at the table to fix these marketing problems?
0: That's a big question. <laughs> we're talking We're talking uh, at a very, very high level. Um, I think one of the most broken things is that with the age that we're in, this digital age, we've gotten really selfish as marketers. We see a list of contacts, we see people on social media, we see potential prospects or, or whoever we might, we might run into at an event or conference. And we're like, they have, the, they have the money in their pocket. They're gonna love what we have for them. Why shouldn't they buy? I'm gonna tell them about what we do and they're going to buy it. And I think that selfishness leads to the dark side of marketing, which is that you start then building marketing programs, plans, campaigns, whatever you want to call it, geared around you, geared around what you think you can do for them, as opposed to really listening and understanding what your prospect, your customer, your potential buyer, whoever, what they ultimately are going to get out of your product or service. And that selfishness is something that will just destroy the company and will destroy any sort of results that you're hoping to achieve from marketing. And you know, some, some prospects out there, they might be looking for a specific solution to a problem and they might respond to that marketing that you have, or it's like, this is what we do, we do X, Y, and Z, and it's going to be great. And they're like, Oh, cool. That's exactly what I'm looking for. But other ones are going to need to know who you are, they're going to need to establish trust in you first, they want to know that they're going to be taken care of, they want to know that you understand their unique position and the pain points and the problems that they have. So unless you're able to communicate that, that long tail you might get some wins out of it but that long tail ultimately you're going to start to question why is our why is this marketing not working why are we not doing the right thing like what's happening like we have this great product why aren't people buying it why aren't they purchasing on that first click that we talked about before the break so it's important i think in the organization to recognize that that type of thing will filter into all different functions of marketing and break a lot of things and so Don't be selfish. Figure out ways of getting in your customers' shoes and having that empathy because we're moving into a post digital world now where this bombardment of digital outreach to customers is now just numbing them to death. And you got to keep it interesting. You got to keep it fresh and you got to keep it about them.
1: Cool. I I like that. I, I think that I resonate with that a lot because. Uh, as a marketer as a business owner you, you're you have one one thing in mind and that is to sell products or services or widgets or whatever and we we lose sight and we lose empathy with our customers that you know there are there are 6 thousand other things that could do the same thing that you do mm-hmm. and you haven't you haven't made that case yet for why i should buy from you because i don't know you uh because I don't know you i don't trust you And because I don't trust you, I, I can't like you yet. You know, that no like and trust factor that we all talk about in school and things. And, and that's really important. Um, one thing I see that's broken right now in, in, uh, marketing could be that, um, we don't, we don't really understand our customers as much as we, we should, uh, because we don't, we don't care. We don't, we don't have the time or whatever. So, so marketers should really, uh, take a step back and really understand their existing customers and, you know, do a lot more research and a lot more surveys and a lot more, you know, just, you know, ethnographic or ethno- ethnography. I guess that's a word. Uh,
0: what was called I'm in grad listening. school, so I have
1: to say uh, big words to, to make yeah, that. Why are you
0: being fancy? It's called customer listening. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I know. Right. Sorry. Um, I, I was trained a certain way. And if I don't Make my training. My parents are going <laughs> to disown me, and uh, they might revoke my degree too. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, th- just listening to the customer and really understanding what they want and 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 how how they can make it better. That's mm-hmm. that's something that's that, that I could point to. It's broken.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that ties into into what I was saying too. That would be a practice that would show that you're not selfish. It would show that you care. So mm-hmm. if I'm saying I don't want to be so. Self- uh, selfish as an organization, I don't want to be selfish in my marketing, then I'm going to go say, put in practice, things like customer listening, and other things. So I get an understanding. And that will then help me better market to and build product for and ultimately, as cheesy as it sounds help to leave kind of the world in a better place. Like we want our companies want to we have a mission, we have a vision, we want to Make life better for somebody in some way, and ultimately, there's even if it's a business purchase, B two B purchase, there's still an emotional attachment to that, right? Like, why should I, as a as a B two B marketer, buy your marketing tool or the one that you had on your advertisement versus another one? Um, is it going to save me money? Is it going to save me time? Cool. Well, so does this other one. Well, ultimately, I trust that one more, that one more because of the alignment and messaging. You really understood my my core problem. You understand from an empathetic point of view where I'm coming from. And plus it's gonna make me look good, right? Are you gonna nice. make me look good to my boss and their boss? and And is this tool gonna ultimately help me be better at my job? Great, right? So there's always a human response even in the B2B world that we have to recognize. And I would say that the customer listening part of that is a piece of being unselfish.
1: Cool. Uh, we we did talk about that. Uh, we we wanted to discuss the entrepreneurial mindset, but it seems that uh, this episode is getting to the hour mark. <laughs> so I want to kind of be um, cognizant of time and be uh, understanding your commitment on on a, as we're recording this. It's Friday, July fifteenth. Uh, 2:17 PM in the Eastern Standard Time. I don't know what that translates into Austin, Texas time. It's probably like 1:17 your time. One behind. And one thing I don't want to be is between a guy and his barbecue. So we're gonna <laughs> uh, we're, we're gonna cut this uh, episode a little short and might edit out the repartee here. So what I wanted to do with Tim being on the uh, Marketing Distilled podcast is kind of wrap it up with. Uh, some lightning round questions. He has been provided the agenda, but he has not been provided the questions. Oh boy. So Here he we better, uh, he, he, he better put on his big uh, uh, boots on today and his big hat. I'm his his, I'm getting yeah, ready. Stretched up, limbered up. So Tim Hines, marketing starter, what is your favorite social media channel?
0: Well, that depends on what I'm using it for. Uh, which is the best political uh, marketing answer. But I mean, I love myself some Instagram. I think that's the one I'm most personally addicted to. Okay. I, I use it for a lot of things um, and you, you'd be surprised, but Instagram for me is actually my favorite travel app. And people will be like, well, what do you mean? Whenever I'm going to another city and I go quite a bit for speaking engagements, I go up and I follow every account that's like best food, Vegas, uh, foodie, New York. And then a couple of weeks before I'm following those guys. And so then when I'm just doing my general Instagram perusing, I'm seeing great restaurants and things to do and places to eat. And then I go and I save all those for later. So then when I'm in town, I'm like, ah, I remember seeing that place. And then I'll go eat there. So I actually use it for travel quite a
1: bit. Oh, that's a good, that's a good, uh, tactic, I guess, for Instagram. Uh, I need to put that in my, my idea. So conversely, what's your least favorite social media channel?
0: Um, gosh I hate uh I hate Twitter <laughs> uh it's just with with the with the the rise of censoring and just political discourse right now it's just it just sucks going on there sometimes and honestly Facebook sometimes too. everyone just like just jumps on each other all the time. yeah, I mean, I only ever like really follow business accounts and I only post about marketing stuff on mine, but it's just like you just jump on there and you're just like, oh, can I just get away from this stuff for five? five seconds. Um, but I feel like Twitter has just become like the town square where everyone just yells at each other. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I try not to, I, I'm not addicted to that one. That one, I, 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 hardly ever check. I mostly just post, like I see something, I'll post it. I won't even open the app. I'll just post from like the news article that I saw to Twitter. Yeah. I won't even go on Twitter itself. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. So, uh, in business or in life, do you ask for forgiveness first or permission?
0: always forgiveness that is the starter mentality you do and ask for forgiveness later never ask for permission first that's that's actually in my book you do it you try it you see if it breaks because unless it's a gamble right and it's part of like that testing always try it and ask for forgiveness later
1: okay so uh th- this one I really like you can have dinner with anyone in the world from any time period. who would you <laughs> pick and why?
0: um besides you at barbecue here after this episode?
1: Oh, stop. I'll send you the check later.,
0: uh, there we go. Um gosh, man, you know I would love to uh i gosh, I'd love to sit down with any one of our uh, founding fathers of the United States. That, be that Jefferson or whoever I think it would be amazing but bring bring them all together let's have let's, yeah. let's sit them all down and, and and grab a bite and just to just to hear about their their intellect and understanding like where they were coming from and and drafting our formation I'm a you know, I'm a big patriot I you know I love I love myself so America because this is the land of the free and entrepreneurism is what drives this country and I'm obviously mm-hmm. a huge fan of that so I would love to sit down with those guys and, and, uh, by candlelight and have a meal. I think it'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I I think it'd be interesting to ask the founders, like, is this what you intended for us when you signed up for this? Um, like, Let me tell you
0: about the future. And they're going to yeah. Go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Oh wow, well, yeah. you guys are doing it wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, and yeah, I know really the whole republic if happen? you shall keep it thing. Right. I know we're not keeping it yeah. very well. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite professional athlete.
0: Well, I'm a I'm definitely a Jordan kid. I grew up in those those years living in Chicago, so big Bulls fan. Um actually got to see him play. Uh really loved that that documentary uh that came out about the the 96 Bulls and, and stuff uh, last year. That was a lot of fun. Uh so I'd say he's probably probably my favorite on basketball. Uh maybe maybe my top. I also was a really big Ryan Sandberg fan from the Chicago Cubs as well.
1: Yeah, I, I looked on your uh, Facebook profile before today's interview, and I noticed that you're a big Cubs fan.
0: Huge, huge That's Cubs cool. fan. Yeah, well, love me. I they got finally won something uh, a
1: couple years ago, right?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Now it seems like it's forever. Gosh, that was in 2016. Uh, yeah. They finally got their championship. The next day, I went out and got a tattoo to celebrate <laughs> it. My first, my first and only tattoo. I got a little Cubs logo on the inside of my arm. So.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm too afraid to, to, to do the tattoo route anyway. And so, uh, when oh, my last reds
0: finally turn it around,
1: yeah, I'll go um, with you and I'll
0: cheer you on as you get the uh, reds, uh, C tattooed on your arm.
1: Yeah. Reds or the Bengals Bengals, man. I, I tell oh, you, I, I was rooting for was you. So close.
0: I was rooting for you.
1: So close. We'll do, we'll do it again this year. Hopefully yeah. if, if Joe Burrows keeps his head on his sho- shoulder. Shoulder. Um my last question for you Tim Hines is uh what's one thing you wasted the money what what what's one thing you wasted your money on and you regret
0: uh in business or in personal doesn't life? matter
1: the question is not specific
0: okay all right um gosh i would almost and i this is probably like not pc to say but i would say my college education hm i worked my ass through college i have a degree i learned a lot sure um, I stayed in school too long, you know, I didn't take enough credits and I kind of milked it cause I was working and, you know, screwing around. Um, but really I think that I, my experience that I've had over time and, and kind of falling into this starter type of career has accelerated me past where my degree has ever been able to get me. Um, and I've been out of school for, what is it? It's 2022 graduated in 2000 six, whatever the math is there. Yeah. And I just paid them off my student loans like a month ago. Congratulations. And, well, yeah. Congratulations. But God, that took forever. Yeah. Um, and it was, it became an expense that I had to pay from the job that I got from it. It was like, was it, you know, did it actually pay for itself? Maybe, um, I wish I would have maybe done it differently though.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I think that with higher education, there's always that, um, push and pull and. We're, mm-hmm. we're always wondering, like, did I do the right thing? Like, could I just have gotten a certification in this and, you know, mm-hmm. went that route? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what, what's the one thing that, that you don't regret spending money on? What, what's like the best decision you ever made in your life? Well, I, I realize that that question kind of ends it on a low note. I want to end this episode <laughs> let's, on a let's flip it on on high head. note here.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I've, I've my wife and I have been fortunate. we work worked really, really hard and we were able to... Buy a, a townhome when we were living in California. Uh, right, right after we got married, we were able to buy, be able to buy the town the townhome that we were renting. And I was really like, "Oh, I don't know, it makes sense. I don't know if you should buy now." And she really like pushed on it, and um, you know, we emptied our savings account to be able to put the the down and the close on it. And I'm really glad that we did that because that afforded us the ability to. Uh, have it, have an investment property over time. It afforded us to get another house and then another house. And then we actually just sold that first house finally, which then paid off the student loans among, amongst a bunch of other things. And we're going to also reinvest some of that money. So it allowed us to get into to real estate. So if you guys are hesitant about taking a chunk of money and investing in real estate, don't be. I know the interest rates are getting high now, but they'll come back down. You can always refi, invest, invest, invest your money. Um, you will regret if it just sits in your savings account. So um, I would say that was a great thing to spend some money on.
1: Cool. Well, Tim, it's been a real pleasure to one, get to know you and to talk to you about your uh, newest and latest book, the marketing starter. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we'll put show notes together for you here shortly and uh, have that uh, book on the link as well. I, I recommend that you uh, purchase that book and read it and take what Tim has to say to heart and uh, apply it in your life and you too can become a marketing starter. So <laughs> thanks for tuning into the episode of the Marketing Distilled Podcast. I'm your master distiller, Jonathan Gaby.